listening to the Ball Talk podcast with me, Ryan Bailey. This podcast is brought to you by Adapt Athletic Performance and Therapy. Head over to Instagram and give them a follow at adapt underscore clinic. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to leave a like, share it with your friends and hit that subscribe or follow button as well. Without further ado, let's get straight into the podcast. Episode 41 of the Ball Talk podcast. Um, so today we are previewing this weekend's All-Ireland Senior Football Championship semi-finals. Second time round, Kevin. Hopefully we get, to get it right this time. I'd like to hopefully, finally yeah. welcome, and hopefully we can actually make this one to YouTube, Kevin McStay. Kevin, you're very welcome to the podcast. Yeah, very happy to, to do it with Jareen. No problem at all. Look at Kevin. As we said, we'll dive straight into things this weekend. Mayo, Tipperary, Dublin, Cavan. I'm sure you'll be at one of them yourself. Which one Are you heading to one of them? Uh, Saturday doing um, uh, Dublin against Cavan on Saturday in commentary and then Sunday night show looking back at Mayo and uh, Tipperary. We're looking back at both matches I'm sure uh, and uh, yeah the Sunday night show yeah so busy weekend. Perfect so we'll start with the Saturday night Dublin Cavan I only checked it there I'd say about an hour ago and the bookies had Dublin at 1 to 50 and Cavan are 16 to 1 so it's you know they're fairly given their their stance on things Look, we know you have a generous, you have a generous bookie because uh, the ones we were checking are one to a hundred, which of course doesn't reflect Cavan's odds. What it's more stopping people doing is putting big lumps of money on, on yeah. Dublin. Uh, but one to fifty is is half what it was on Monday. Yeah, no, it's an hour there, just an hour ago is what I saw it on. Oh dear. So going into the Dublin Cavan game. You know, as we were only speaking about this a few weeks ago with, with Mayo and, or sorry, sorry, with Donegal and Tyrone. Where do you look into a team to try and pick holes at them and where can you attack? And for Calvin, where are they going to be looking at this weekend? Well, I suppose first and foremost, they have to decide on what is their overall posture. Are they going to have a go, have a shot at it? Um, are they going to accept that they just cannot beat Dublin and go into damage limitation, which... I couldn't see them doing like the competitive animal in any sportsman will say, let's have a go. You know, let's, let's not be beaten before the ball is thrown in. Now that's not to suggest for a second that they aren't, you know, they, they have an almighty task ahead of them. Yeah. And it's impossible, impossible to see them winning it. So what's the next best thing that they keep it to single digit defeat would be the target. And maybe, Low digit, you know, maybe up to this five, six, seven, um, but at all costs, keep it below ten, um, because once it gets away from you, I was just doing some numbers there in preparation for the weekend, and I just have it here somewhere. Another twenty-four hours, I'll have these in my head, but I don't have them fully in my head at the minute. But um, Dublin, Leinster Championship so far, plus eleven, plus twenty-two, plus twenty-one, all double-digit wins against. Um, was Mead Leash and Mead Hammerings, you know, game over early. Uh, and of course, that's what Cavan are facing. That's sort of, um, uh, that's the quality of the team they're facing. And it's very hard to see where they'll get joy in any particular position or any line of the field. This is 
not only is it a step up in class, it's a step up in terms of the playing surface and the speed of that surface and the size of that pitch. And they're uh, unfamiliarity with it and adults familiarity with it. And it, it's impossible for, me, impossible for me, Rian, to make a case for, you know, for the areas that Cavan will, will, will get some sort of uh, comfort. It, it really is that difficult of a task. Um, and, you know, we can only see one result, of course. Now, I'll just put a small asterisk with that, you know, uh, in the build-up to the Donegal match, I would have said pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think I did on live television. Didn't give Cavan too much of a chance. Um, but there were slightly, slightly other factors involved. It was Ulster Championship. The pitch was soft. Um, uh, Donegal had a... Donegal did not play. Donegal went into a quite complacent, mm. it would appear. And it just didn't happen. Dublin don't do these sort of things. Dublin complacency is just something that doesn't... Uh, it's this process that we're, we've been talking about non-stop for the last few years. They have a way of going about their business and uh, they are a, a really, they're a champion team. That's, that's really how I will capture it for Dublin. They're just a champion team in all departments. You made some very interesting points there on the Dublin, the, the margins of their winning Leinster Championship games by. And I'm sure you saw John Canellan's piece only last week as well. And that yeah. gave some, you know, that gave a great insight into some of the scoring averages that they've beaten Westmead by over the years and stuff like that too. But just touching back on Cavan, you said there that they might go for the um, damage limitation side of things or will they go for the game? Would you say, would it be fair to say that that's, they can't go somewhere in between that they've got to go for one or the other? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stick or twist. You can't get caught uh, halfway up, halfway up and, and not committed to one particular game plan. Um, and my sense is that uh, what they have to get, Kevin have to get a decent start. They have to get to the first quarter uh, and, you know, be in contention. They can't be seven down at the first quarter or the water break, if we, if we call it, give it its formal title, but essentially it is a quarter, uh, a timeout at the quarter mark. Um, they have to try and, you know, that is their first major focus, that they get to that part of the game intact, and then that they maybe can get to half time in reasonable order. But that's a big, excuse me, that's a big ask, Rian. You know, that's um, against the quality they're facing, playing in a pitch that they're so familiar with. Um, that's a, that's a big ask for them. Um, but they will target that. They will target that first quarter um, and try and get to half time so that your morale is intact. Yeah. You know, that you haven't been, you haven't been destabilized by the scoreline uh, and therefore you have a basis of coming out for the second half and engaging again. But um, as you saw, the last game involving Meade and the game before that with Leash and so on, Dublin have these things put to bed well before half time. Yeah. You, you made an interesting point uh, a couple of weeks ago on commentary about the water break and how the, the majority of them are coming after a ball goes over the bear. Do you think it should be a set time? Or wide. Or wide, sorry, yeah. But do you think there should be a set time, you know, maybe around... Where well, the, well, there is, yeah, there is by regulation. It must take place between... Um, off the top of my head now, again, I'll, I'll have this learned off in better shape by Saturday, but I think it's the 15th to the 19th minute. The referee has the um, has the discretion to call it there. 
uh, it doesn't say particularly after a wider point. Um, it says after a stoppage in play, which, you know, my argument was that could include a stoppage in play further out the field. Yeah. Where the reset now is not as important. And I, I, stay, I stand by that argument. Uh, and then I've noticed in recent weeks to absolutely exacerbate the idea that it's called on a wider kickout. And, and you know the argument. The team that's taken the kickout are under a huge disadvantage because the opposition have a minute during the water break to reset everybody and yeah. get them to push up and refocus on this particular kickout. And uh, in general, then, the, op the, the opposition, the, the team not taking the kickout, win that break yeah. or win that ball primary or, or win the break and therefore have the advantage of possession once again. And what we've noticed now is we've been looking at the water breaks. Um, there's obviously two per game. Now, wouldn't you think the referee would have the good sense to make sure he gave one kick, he'd call it a break and a kick out for, we'll say, a Sligo in the first, the first instance You're right, and then Jack. in the second half, make, make sure he called it for Mayo so there'd be one apiece. Well, no, that's not what's happening. Yeah. In many cases, it's the same team that ends up taking the two kickouts. So it, it's 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 a daft it's a daft uh, introduction. We don't need it anyway. Uh, these water breaks, and um, at least if they're going to insist on giving the giving the um, water break kind of kick out or a wide, which I don't agree with, of course. Uh, but if they're going to insist on it, make sure at least to give it to one apiece in each half. Yeah, because once you made that point, I, I even went up to up to Mikhail Park to do coverage of the Mayo Leitrim Nicky Racker Cup semi final. And even from that game I noticed it was it was it was like as if when you said it it just switched something that every time there was a water break I noticed that it was ninety five percent of the time it was the same thing over and over again. That it was yeah. from a kick out. Yeah, it was just uh, and, and believe it or not, the argument put forward about why um they wouldn't call the water break on a stoppage out the field is because they were afraid the hurlers would score directly on the restart. You know, so if you called it on a free around the midfield, obviously a hurler can point that on the restart. And you yeah. couldn't have that, obviously. But, of course, my argument is, well, okay, have it on the puck out for hurling, but not for football. Yeah. Anyway. Well, for another day, for another day. For another day, definitely. We'll have to do a whole podcast on the water break. If there is one, if there's water breaks <laughs> next year, as you said, it's hard, it's hard to see there being a reason for them. No, there's no reason for them, really. We'll jump over Mayo Tipperary as well. Probably one of the, the, yeah. more, the more balanced fixture, if, if you can even yes. call it a balanced fixture of the oh, week. Oh, no, I, I, it, is, it is balanced. Oh, this is poised, for sure. You're looking forward to it? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, uh, just, just to see, obviously, uh, as... Uh, a Mayo man, just to see where Mayo are at. Um, and I, I was making the argument yesterday with, with the Mayo lads on the, on the Mayo podcast, the Mayo News podcast, that like technically, well, not technically, we absolutely don't know where Mayo are at, really. Um, because the game against Roscommon and Galway was not hectic. You know, there wasn't overwhelming by any means. There were good wins, very workmanlike wins, but you wouldn't call them top, top championship form or anything like that. So the hope is that Mayo are improving um, and getting towards what you need to be at by the time you get to the last four. And uh, my sense is they are, are, are that they will get to that level. Um, but of course, you're, they're meeting now a very, very energised and enthusiastic and confident Tipperary team. 
and also not a bad Tipperary team. Like they've beaten Cork uh, in a final uh, against the odds, it would appear, even though they've well fancied themselves. They're quite experienced. They're Colin Reardon back from Australia. The four or five top players on top of that. And you contrast that to Mayo. I counted had 10 what we loosely call debutants stroke rookies in the kind of final uh, appearance. That's a lot of players, 10, that are helping reshape the latest Mayo transition, um, which is going very well in the circumstances of the year we're having. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, Reen. I, I think it, it's going to be um, quite a close contest for quite a while, but um, I believe Mayo will, in the end, uh, get the win they deserve. I'm just hoping they'll do it. They'll show us a bit more than they've showed us so far so that we can look forward to the possibility of them giving Dublin a right shot of it in the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if Tipperary were to, to win this game, it'll be a sensational result, obviously, because they haven't been in All-Ireland for, well, for <laughs> maybe since the commemoration, I don't know. But around the in 1920s, anyway, sometime back there, I guess. Um, so it would be a sensational um, result if Tipperary to win it. Sensational in the idea that it's history-making, but not sensational in terms of shock, surprise, oh my God, this could, how did, could this have happened? Because yeah. this, this can happen in in the exact same way as, the, as it happened that they beat Cork, in the exact same way that Cork beat Kerry or that Cavan beat Donegal. Yeah, absolutely, this could happen. Where are the key matchups on Sunday now, do you reckon? Yeah, um, the Mayo full forward line is, is very, very dangerous. And if they get their game together, they're going to cause untold damage to any full back line. Uh, they haven't just yet. Yeah, I think each of them are playing well as individuals, each of them are playing particularly well as individuals, um, but they they haven't come together as a unit. If that makes sense, I hope. Um, and whether that's a, a two-man full forward line with Conroy feeding off the other two bigger men, uh, or a one-man full forward line with O'Shea and Ian uh, O'Shea and Kieran O'Connor and Tommy Conroy feeding off O'Shea, or Tommy Conroy going further out and playing off the two from a deeper position. Lots of different ways they could pan it up. But from the Tipperary perspective, is how, how, how are you going to stop this full forward line that has real potential, Ian? And, uh, of course, the solution to that will be, because they don't have the three players that can handle the three Mayo lads one-to-one. They just don't have them. Uh, very few teams would, in fact, have, have three markers um, to look after that sort of danger. So they're going to have to protect the D, bring a few players back. Um, so that's a key area. Midfield is, as always in Gaelic football, is a key area. And I think here now, Tipperary have, have every, every um, possibility of getting a swing. You have Matthew Ryan coming back into really good form from Mayo st- with Conor Loftus, who's still you know, making his way at this level and certainly making his way in this position. It's a pretty new position for him. He's a half forward yeah. by nature, is my memory of him. And um, they're going to be up against um, Colin Reardon. Colin Reardon and uh, no, is it Liam Casey? I might have Stephen O'Brien. No service. I uh, maybe Stephen O'Brien, O'Brien but in Casey is in around that area as well. Um, big men, good footballers, athletic, mobile, and of course you know all about O'Regan. You know, the, a professional yeah. athlete in this environment, and he's got an extra couple of weeks now to get used to the ball and get used to the conditions. So he. We'd expect he could only improve. That would be his nature. 
um, as, as a professional. He'll be trying to max out the last two weeks and get everything out of them in terms of prep. So, yeah, they're very likely to present huge problems for Mayo there. So there's, there's possibilities there. Um, Mayo defence looks decent. Mayo goalkeeper's excellent. Um, David Clark, but then Evan Comerford is a very, very decent uh, um, goalkeeper as well. Absolutely. For, for tip. Yeah, so uh, I, you know, I see that game very well poised. I, I, I think Mayo should, will, um, will come out of it with the win, but it won't be simple. Same as well. It was four years ago, like it's, it was, it was Conor O'Shea that got the goal to put four points between them with a few minutes to go. Like that wasn't as, as it was that like that was a very tight game as well. It wasn't straightforward, as, yeah. as you say. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And that, that's the bit that worries me a little bit that, you know, Mayo are just leaving teams hanging around the edges and uh, therefore it becomes, it becomes dangerous when you're not putting teams away uh, and, and that can cause a problem for sure. But I'm expecting Mayo to, you know, game manage the situation better and tighter and that they, they, will, they will want to leave no room for error in this fixture they don't want to leave Tipperary hanging around in the fourth quarter because yeah. um, everything then gets tight and literally anything can happen once it's tight uh, after the last water break as you said there Tipperary if there is one position or one area of the field that they can get at Mayo it, it will be around the middle can you see a change coming in the Mayo midfield or even whether it not be from the start it might be later on in the game could we see someone like Tom Parsons coming in I'm not so sure Ian I'm not so sure you'll see Aidan O'Shea in for the in for the throw in, of course, um, but the hope, certainly my hope, because of the bigger picture, is that he would reside at fourteen and give a, you know, a pillar, uh, a, a target for the Mayo attack, a, a framework for the Mayo attack to work off. Um, but of course, if if um, the boat was taken in water, uh, he could always be brought out to midfield. I mean, that would be, probably be the first choice rather than bringing on uh, Tom Parsons, Seamus O'Shea, these sort of people. My sense is we haven't seen these guys because people have passed them out in training and their yeah. form line isn't what James Warren might want it to be at. And some of these guys aren't even making the 26 screen anyway when you check the fine detail on match day. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'd say O'Shea would be the backup, I, I imagine, Kevin McLaughlin, kind of, but not so much. But then they could play a three-man midfield if they wanted to shore it up a small bit. They're going to find it very hard, Mayo, to win that midfield battle man-to-man. Uh, -man. If it was two-on-two, -two, if it's O'Brien, uh, O'Reardon, or Casey uh, and O'Reardon, whatever, uh, matching up with um, Conor Loftus and Matthew Ruan, yeah, you, you can, you should, it's obvious. You know this yourself. You're looking at the games the same as everybody else. These are, that's a very uh, formidable midfield pairing did really well against Cork um, and will have every sense coming into this game that they can do very well against Mayo in that area As you said as well Tipperary a team that looked confident we saw Michael Quinlevin in, in Park Aquive the, the, the points that he was kicking he just was he was like a player that was just on the training ground kicking for fun Yeah well he's a gorgeous player I came up against him uh, when I was managing Ross and uh, Connor Sweeney of course another yeah. lovely Lovely football, right? They're just, and they're big men, you know. They're big, big men, and um, they, you know, they kind of 
move the ball very skillfully uh, and are well able, well able to take their scores, well able to win their own ball. Um, yeah, then again, they are formidable opponents. They're two very good footballers. Um, and they're the kind of anchor of the forward line. Um, but then they have a lot of good uh, workers, you know, Mar, Fox, these guys, they're all around the area as well, and they will be yeah. contributing. You, you know they will. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're a nicely balanced team. They're quite experienced, you know, to go up through the minor under-21 scene. They've been around now in Division 2, 3, uh, All-Ireland semi-finals. The Galway won during the semi-final against Galway a few years ago. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and it wasn't it a quarter final? Was it a quarter final against us? It was no, it was quarter, sorry, quarter final against Galway in 2016, and then they went on and played Mayo in the semi final. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but they won, they won that match against Galway. Back Galway, right? Yeah, yeah, but they did the semi final. Yeah, and uh, so like they've been, they've been, um, they've been around, they know they, they've played at this level, they understand the requirements. So, um, yeah, this is poised, this is very, uh, very nicely poised. You know, people in Mayo mightn't see it that way. As I said to a friend of mine yesterday, uh, I, you know, I'm sure people in Mayo see this as as uh, straightforward enough. But I can tell you, down in Tipperary, they're looking at it in a very positive light from their perspective as well. They think there's a massive chance to get to an Ireland final. Definitely. And they'd be right. And they'd be right. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking here. I had a few. I'd sent out an Instagram um, a question poll if anyone had any sort of questions for you. And they're all surrounding the game anyways. And, and the majority sure. of them are answered. But... There's one we we spoke well this was what two probably three weeks ago now since we since we had initially recorded a podcast it was before the day before the Kerry and Cork game if not two days before, um, yeah. and you went down you went down to that game that goal from Merkeen the last minute I think your reaction summed up the reaction of the country in it would that be your moment of the championship so far? Oh well I was up in I was up in the athletic rounds when. Um, Kevin got the goal at the end. Oh, God, yeah. it's gone out of me head now. The the young fella that got the goal. Connor Madden. Thirteen. Yes, Connor was Connor it Connor Madden? Madden? Yeah, yeah, Connor Madden. And I tell you that that was a fair moment because even though there's no one in the ground, to use the bit of hyperbole, it felt like the ground shook. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like it, it was a huge moment and a famous moment, obviously, for Kevin to win it. I wouldn't quite call it the moment the moment of the champion. Yeah, I'd say, Mark. Mark Keane's one would be hard to beat, wouldn't it, really? Because it knocked out what possibly were the favourites for the All-Ireland or joint favourites with Dublin. But the yeah. one team that everybody thought could push Dublin to the end. Um, and, yeah, I would say that probably was the moment of the championship so far, yeah. With, with Cork beating Kerry this year, with Cavan beating Donegal, you know, we've got Tyrone are going to want to come back and have a better year. So are Galway, so are Scam and so are Kerry. And then you, you look down, even in Division 4, there's counties with new management teams that are looking at the Cavins and the Tipperaries and saying, well, if they can do it, why can't we? It could be, uh, the next year or so could be very, very competitive in the All-Ireland Championship. I got a text literally about half an hour ago from uh, a lad that works with RTE. And he put down exactly what you've just said. He said, 2021 and 2022 are going to be huge years and a lot of fun for the GA." Uh, because there's going to be new structures, a new season. You know, you're going to have Mickey Hart uh, with Louth uh, and so on, and, and, and new managers around the place and teams coming and, and hope, hopefully improving. Uh, and maybe Dublin coming back to the pack a little bit, but I'm not so sure about that. But maybe, maybe just a touch. We'll know a lot more by the 19th of December. Um, but I think you're right. I think it, it has the makings, you know, the next few seasons 
are going to be landmark seasons for the GA in terms of the split season, in terms of championship structure, and uh, in terms of the various appointments. Um, Linda McGillie went to Antrim as well. Don't forget that one. Yeah. Um, you know, which is which is a, a big moment. And um, oh God, who did Sligo get again? It's going to be him. Anthony McEntee. What do you make of, of that appointment? Yes. Actually, yeah, uh, I think that's a great appointment for Sligo. Super, super appointment for Sligo. And uh, and fair play to them. Uh, they 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 dreamed big, and uh, they got a guy with a lot of experience at club level, obviously, and as an All Ireland winner, and then with uh, the Mayo experience. So yeah, he has. He's going. To, well, I can guarantee you. The fella said, maybe Sligo can't but improve, but with McIntyre, I can guarantee you Sligo will improve. There's no question in my mind about that. He's a very good coach, um, very much into the uh, fine detail uh, of coaching and the fine detail of the numbers and statistics surrounding uh, foot the football game and where the gains are to be got. And things you have to tighten up on. So, like the old superintendent said, "What gets measured gets done." And uh, yeah. I think you'll be you'll be seeing a lot of that from uh, Tony McIntyre. What gets measured gets done, and he'll insist on that. And I can only see a big improvement coming from Sligo. Uh, and hopefully, we now have back four teams that would be very competitive in the Connacht Championship. Because even Eamon O'Hara was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and said that there are. You know, there are forwards in Sligo that he, he reckons they're some of the best forwards in Connacht with the, the Liam Gohans, the Niall Murphys and Peter Nocton coming to Sligo next year is going to be a big boost as well. Yeah, yeah. well, we have to remain to be seen with Peter Nocton. Like we, we know he's had a great season with, with, with the Knockmore, but there's another level up now, Rian, you know? Yeah. So it remains to be seen. And uh, the, the other lads, yeah, I know the lads you're talking about, Niall Murphy, uh, etc. They're good, they're good footballers. Um, but they haven't done it at a consistent level yet. But this might be this might be the launch now for them. Kevin, I think that wraps everything up. As we said, we'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on to the podcast. My pleasure, Ian. My pleasure.